Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. The most startling novel of the decade. Brought to the screen with uncompromising frankness. Pulling no punches. Knowing full well the storm it would cause. For this is a relentless, terrifying tale of five lost days and nights, torn from a man's life, bearing his heart and soul. The Lost Weekend, starring Ray Milan in one of the great performances of motion picture history, and Jane Wyman as the girl who shared his desperate journey into fear. You just happen to walk in on this. Now, if you know what's good for you, you'll turn around and walk out again, and walk fast, and don't turn back. Down strange, forbidden byways, he wandered in search of his soul. One woman loved him too much to let him lose it. G'day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter, the podcast that takes a look at the best picture winners and the losers and says, does this matter at all? My name's Andrew Pierce, and I'm joined by my co-host, who's looking very concerned at the moment, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always I'm always concerned. It's early in the morning here where we're recording. I just like this is how awful my weekends are. I just hopped out of bed and I was like, Andrew, let's record. <laughs> let's let's talk about the Lost Weekend, which is the movie we're going to talk about today. A, an uplifting, nice little movie um, that everybody loves. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard of this and you've all watched it nine times over your film watching career. And you just I can't wait for Dave and Andrew to finally dive into. Fan favorite, The Lost Weekend. <laughs> yeah. Written, co-written by Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett. Directed by Billy Wilder. They all won Oscars. Ray Milland also won an Oscar for Best Actor and it won Best Picture. Uh, cruelly, Jane Wyman was shut out for the Best yeah. Supporting Actress nomination. Uh, my the, real reason, broken there. the real reason Andrew wanted to watch this movie, <laughs> Jane Wyman. I mean, like, you know, you've got your priorities straight. That's good. Jane Wyman is the kind of actress that you want to sit down on the couch with and have a have a cup of tea and just, you know... Is that like a euphemism in Australia for something? No, or is that no, like just literally just a cup of tea? Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. After yeah. the whole Dune Dune thing of our last <laughs> recording, I want to just want to be clear at what we're talking about. <laughs> I find her so easy to watch and so mm-hmm. nice yeah. and comfortable just to spend time with all that heaven allows is such a beautiful film it's one of my favorite films mm-hmm. it's obviously not this film but um jane wyman is just ah uh, she just lights up the screen and and chills it she, every so time wonderful. i see her in a movie she's very pleasant like yeah. I, I totally i totally get that where like you know just someone you'd like to like hang out with for a bit it's just and also she's nice to look at i mean let's let's be honest she's a good looking woman so that yeah. that helps yeah. too for sure. So, but can we talk about Billy Wilder for a second? So I know, I know that Billy Wilder has had, he had a very varied career, right? He did a little bit of everything in terms of genre, but do you think of drama when you think of Billy Wilder? Cause I don't, I immediately go to the comedies. So like, I was like, Oh, a Billy Wilder movie. I had no idea what this was about, by the way. I didn't look oh, up really? all I knew. 
no. All I knew was that, that he directed it. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, a fun time. It's going to be a romp, a lost weekend. What what hijinks will this will these folks get up to on this lost weekend? So I was very surprised by this movie. It was not what I expected. Yeah. So what did, like, how much Billy Wilder have you watched? And what do you expect when you walk into a Billy Wilder movie? I guess, I mean, my first Billy Wilder film was Ace in the Hole, which is still kind of equal favorite. And so that is as black as it comes. It is a dark, dark film, and it ends in such a really dark way. So my experience was, you know, Mm. I always come to his films thinking, there is going to be a little bit of darkness here. And then the next film I watched was The Apartment, and a lot of people think that The Apartment is a all-in-out comedy. Just a sweet... uh you know, fun movie where nothing bad happens. Oh, wait, yeah. except for the suicide attempt. Like, I honestly always forget about it. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, the apartment. Everybody loves the apartment. And then, uh, you know, on my other podcast, Offscreen Death with our friend Mike, that was the first, our very first episode yeah. was the apartment. And, I, and I'm watching it I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this is oh, dark. <laughs> this is really dark, for sure. Yeah. But like, and- this is the second kind of Billy Wilder-esque movie we've done, right? He wrote Ninochka. Mm-hmm. Um, a favorite of both of ours. Um, I yeah, I like my time with the Nochka better. It's a lot nicer than this. Nothing oh, to do look, with quality. This is just like, ugh, yeah. It's a this lot. is a really hard film to watch, and this is you know the the plot is fairly simple. It is about Raymond Land's character who effectively is an alcoholic, and it is about not him... just effectively fucking is like he is yeah he like, is no. yeah. <laughs> And what I really like about this film is how immediate it sets the stakes for oh, what yeah. kind of alcoholic he is. And also how his his family and his friends and his partner are dealing with his alcoholism. The, uh-huh. the film opens on this really beautiful shot of New York City and then it pans across with this narration going on. It pans across to this window with this bottle hanging out of the window. And then we know that he's getting his luggage together or should be getting his luggage luggage together with his brother to go away on this weekend together at some place. And that doesn't eventuate because the alcohol is there. He needs to drink. Right. He's got right. to drink. And I don't know if I've seen a darker film win Best Picture. Like, there are, yeah, there are yeah. darker films and I was... I was yes. thinking about this in the sense that, sure, war films, you know, or Quiet in the Western Front, Platoon, um, Deer Hunter, they're all dark, okay? But they're dark in the sense that, yeah, war war's not nice. But The Lost Weekend is dark in a very personal way. Yeah, it's so much more intimate oh, yeah, yeah. In, in its darkness, for sure. So, like, so just to go backwards for one moment, like, mm-hmm. the, the, thing, the thing I think of with Billy Wilder is, like, some like it hot. Like that's, that's what, and that's not what this is. And I find you mentioned like the setup for this movie, which I think is so interesting because they go to great pains to set up this idea of like going off to essentially this farm for this weekend to like, you know, right. So just dry him out. Right. Mm. Um, and it's one of those like, wow, you did a lot of work for something that's just a red herring. Like that is, no, <laughs> there's no part of this movie that's going to happen. And as I'm watching the beginning of it, I'm immediately worried. I'm worried anytime there's a movie about addiction in general, let alone like from the 40s and 50s. I'm like, oh God, how are we going to? Because for those people that don't know, like that's the field I work in. So I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. So this is very close for me. And I'm watching this and it's, the way it's set up originally, it's very 
like a lot of hijinks. Like there's, you know, there's, you know, the bottles out the window and he's pulling them up with a string. And, oh, go look for my typewriter. I'm going to distract you while I get and clink, 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 clink. And it's like, oh, God, I I don't know if I can do this. But then it definitely switches like, um, you know, Billy Wilder knows that this is a serious topic. And like, hon- honestly, maybe my only issue with the movie is that. It's almost too serious. It's very much like a like, oh, the evils of the the devil drink, and like it's it's like the alcohol version of what's the uh, what's the anti marijuana movie? Oh, Reefer uh, Madness. Yeah, yeah. Reefer Madness. It's like that. Like it is a little on the extreme side, even for someone like me who like knows how extreme alcoholism and drug addiction can get. Mm. I'm, I'm a little like, oh, okay, Billy, let's just <laughs> fucking reel it in a little bit, but. I will say this is maybe in terms of all the Billy Wilder movies I've seen, which isn't all of them, sure, but at least five or six of them. This is maybe the most visually interesting. He's he's like really putting in some work here. There is a there is a shot of like shadows as Mm. he is like really struggling and it kind of forms the shape of a bottle on the ceiling. And it's like, oh, Billy's having a good time. Like he's really dissolve into the actual glass of whiskey and stuff like that. Beautiful shot. Oh, my God. Like that. That is maybe my favorite visual moment of the entire film. Like it's just like. Billy's Billy's really going for it here, and I really appreciate it. But you bring up the fact that this is really dark, and it like this is what I love about doing this podcast. Is like I, you know, sometimes you think you have an idea of what the Academy likes, what mm. they're what they're gonna reward. And man, if you had, if I didn't know anything about, I mean, we already talked in the last episode where I like I just assumed that Mildred Pierce won Best Picture because I'm just gonna get it's this out of the now. It's the obvious best movie of yeah. that year and many other years. So, like, let's just move on. Um, but if I would just watch these five movies that were nominated and I had to rank, like, okay, which which one do you think the Academy would like? One to five. This has got to be number five because it's so dark and it's a very good movie. But, like, this is just – there's there's not – this movie would almost have more hope if he died at the end. Like mm-hmm. it actually, ha- it is. It's even more cynical. The way the film ends, like, oh, I'm just going to use this, all this, all this awful stuff. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to use it essentially for monetary and artistic gain. Yeah. Like, good God! Like as I'm watching this, I'm just like, Billy, what is, what was going on <laughs> in your life? Sir? Are you okay? Like, yeah. Like, where's Marilyn Monroe? We need some happiness for for Mr. Wilder here because there's, it's a little bit rough for sure. Yeah, very much so, and. I, I do find that really interesting how has kind of keenly informed the script is in that manner. Like it is so pitch black. It is so dark. And it, it, I don't know the personal lives of Charles Brackett or Billy Wilder. They, they appear to live, you know, fine lives and all this kind of stuff, long enough lives. Um, but there is a real keen understanding of what it means to be an alcoholic here. Um, it is so grounded in a reality of what addiction can do to somebody, what addiction does do to your mind and what addiction does to your worldview as well. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the only thing. Well, Mm. Andrew, if you did as much research for this show as I did, you would know. (laughs) As much research is like me right now opening up Wikipedia. That is my amount of research. 
So Wilder apparently was originally drawn to this material after having worked with Raymond Chandler on the screenplay for Double Indemnity, another great movie that we have at least briefly talked about. Um, and Chandler was a recovering alcoholic at the time, so the stress of their relationship is what Billy Wilder was essentially used as, you know, fodder for his next, you know, his next film. Um, and this will make you happy. Sometimes things things work out for the best. We talked about, mm-hmm. you know, casting in this movie. Apparently, the first choice for playing Helen was Olivia de Havilland, um, but she couldn't do it. And then they uh, also considered Catherine Hepburn and Jean Arthur. Oh, wonderful actresses. But like you got Andrew got Andrew won. Yeah, this, I did. This version I did. Of Second billing, so. Jane Wyman, one of the greatest actresses around. And I think that her the casting there is really really important because you know it is fortunate that she is there but she has this this both a a young kind face but also a mature face that understands the darkness of what is going on here and i think that is really really very important the character's name is don burnham played by ray milland and helen st james played by jane wyman and jane manages to imbue helen with that that grounded look of just like there is something really bad going on in your life. And I think that I can help you out and get to the man that I feel that I love within right. you. And, and it's not, it's not in a, like a, a fixer opera kind of way, no. you know, no. it's not a, anything like that. There is genuine affection for one another yes. here. Yes. Yeah. And there's like, there's a gentleness from her that I think you're not going to get. I mean, especially from Catherine Hepburn. I don't know that that, that is not really her thing. Uh, God, <laughs> God bless her. One of the most talented, wonderful actresses of any generation. But gentle is not a term I would use uh, to describe her acting style. Same thing with Olivia de Havilland, actually. Like, I was like, I just don't like it. I'm glad they all said no. Because I think, honestly, like, he's really good. I mean, he wins the award for pretty good reason. Like, this is a very good performance. But I think her performance is arguably more important than his in this because he gets to like kind of go hog wild here like he is like on a bender and like it is very convincing but it's extreme hers is there's a lot more subtlety going on i mean the probably the most heartbreaking moment of the movie for me is when she realizes this man is going to kill himself like i'm going to lose him not to drink but to a a bullet and then she, you know, she's like, here, drink, please. Do you know, Don, there was some whiskey left in the bottle after I cleaned up last night. Was there? Wouldn't you like to know where I put it? No. Don't you want a drink, Don? No. Here it is right here. Why don't you have one? Just one. What are you up to? Nothing. I'm just ashamed of the way I talk to you. Like a narrow-minded, insensitive, small-town teetotaler. I told you I don't feel like a drink. Not now. Oh, come on, Don. Just one. I'll have one with you. I'm in no hurry. This is my easy day at the office. Look, Helen, there are a few things I want to put in order before we comes. Let me stay. Please. No. I don't want to sound rude, but I'm afraid you'll have to leave now. Here, Don. You're very sweet. Goodbye. Don't have you been for nothing. You need this, Don. Drink it. I want you to drink it. I'll get you some more. I'll get you all you want. What kind of talk is that? It's just that I'd rather have you drunk than dead. It pulled at my heartstrings for sure, because in the line of work that I'm in, 
I've said this to people before is like, if I have to choose between, because we always, of course, do an assessment for suicide for everyone. And the, one of the ways I explain it to them is like, if I got to choose between you being alive and using or you being dead and sober, I'm going to take alive and using every day. Right. We have to you have to be alive to experience anything good in this world, to experience anything. Um, so watching that is just like, oh, man. And it's, of course, so much more intimate because they have an intimate relationship. This is not a counselor and a client talking. This is a man and a woman talking who supposedly love each other or care about each other. And she is just like, I just I don't want you to be a drunk. I don't want you to put your body and me through this, but I don't want you to die. Like, I want you to be alive. So, like, you can see her, like, near tears, her hands shaking as she's holding these two glasses of brown liquor. Just, like, please drink. Because she knows if he drinks, he's not going to die. And it's just like, oh, man, like, what a great – it's, like, one scene in the movie. But it's probably the thing that I'm going to pull from this most. That's – I'm not so much going to remember – because there's, like, a hundred different scenes of him at the bar and ranting and raving and sloshing around, which is very well performed. Like, I watched him, like, this is – very convincing. He goes right up to the line of it being too silly, um, but then kind of pulls it back a little bit. But that scene with her, man, that, oh my goodness, it's so it is, affecting. It is a really powerful moment. I wonder for you, do you feel, because the, the moment that they meet is a really nice, interesting moment, even though he is an absolute prick to her right away. Uh-huh. It is this mistaken, he's got her jacket, she's got his, and they have this encounter and then um, they go separate ways and as they do this bottle falls out of his jacket because that's really all he wanted he didn't want his jacket he just wanted yep. the bottle and they yep. most importantly he left a beautiful performance early you know at the opera because of the fact that he so eagerly needed a drink and i think that that is a really devastating moment that wilder uses i i don't know what the performance is but he uses the the opera as a you know, a, a comparison to his life as to what's going on on stage, which is literally everybody drinking on stage, singing and drinking. Uh-huh. And I think it's, um, it's an Italian opera where they're all focused on a woman and all this kind of stuff. Cause that's all the Italian operas do, but they, that's all the Italians do. I know it's all I'm, the Italians do. Yeah. <laughs> I've both. seen Fellini films. I know what yeah, they're like. <laughs> alcohol and women. That's it. That's all yeah. we care about. Red wine and women. That's, that's, that's our focus. Yes, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And that it's that is a really powerful look moment. at like not only like negating like a beautiful moment and art mm. and just you know I got a drink, but also the impact of triggers. And like if you're struggling with alcoholism and you go see a movie or a play where everyone's having a good time and drinking, you immediately go back to like, yeah, I could be doing that right now. I remember that that thing mm. that I like supposedly been trying to give up because everyone tells me I do it wrong and it's it's not fun anymore and I'm doing all this harm to my body. But look at them. Look at them up there on that st- stage or on that screen, you know, having a couple drinks, carousing with their friends. It's hard to shut that down. It's hard to, yeah. you know, in recovery talk, we talk at playing the tape all the way forward, um, which is now an outdated phrasing because no one has tapes. They don't know what they are. These kids, they don't know what tapes are. Kids out there listening, tapes were like a way you played. <laughs> um, so I yeah, love the fact that you think that children out there. Yeah, like nine-year-olds are listening. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so the idea of this is like, oh, if you just play the tape a little bit for like, oh, I'm having a good time. Everything's great. But if you play it through till the next morning and you're throwing up and you're hungover and your family is mad at you, your partner is mad at you, then it's like, OK, maybe if I look at the consequences, I shouldn't do this. But he's just sees these people on stage having a good time. And he's like, yeah, I got a bottle in my in my jacket out there. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to I'm going to do that. You know, and of course, it never ends up that way. It ends up with you drinking alone and crying. But in the moment where you make that choice, that's not what mm. you're thinking about. And but the relationship is kind of founded on the promise of a drink because she's going to a party and he was going to go home and finish the bottle. And mm-hmm. and he says to her, you know, are there going to be drinks there? And sure enough, they go off. Do you think at that point that she is understands that he might have something wrong? Because one of the issues that I do have with the film, as much as I like this film, one of the issues is that it doesn't really show moments of their relationship where there is kind of some moment where you can understand why she genuinely loves him. Besides this is the one, wanting this to is the one big him. problem. This is the one big problem in this movie. And, and I get it. It's not about their relationship. She is, in terms of the movie, she is there to see, serve a very certain purpose. And it's not about that. It's about his struggles and of alcoholism and the evils of the devil drink and all that stuff. So they don't waste time. I wish they built it up a little bit more. I wish we got to see a little bit of like him, I don't know, treating her like a little better and like you understand like oh she's remembering what he was like in these earlier moments and i think that would make it even more impactful um but they don't waste time with that but you're right like i you know i think they're they're trying to do some shorthand stuff here where you're just like making an assumption well clearly there were some good times you know sprinkled in there and like there's a reason for her to like this man because like most people like this guy like you know, the bartender likes him. The like, you know, the quote unquote floozy at the bar seems to really appreciate his company. Um, like everyone who comes in contact with him until he gets really inebriated tends to like him. He's a likable guy. He's like a normal guy. Like even he passes these women, these old women on the street, these like old biddies who are gossiping about him. And what do they say? Not like, oh, God, this ridiculous drunk. They're like, oh, that's the nice young man who has a problem with drinking. Like that's how they describe him. So everyone in the world thinks of him as this nice guy who just has this one little problem that has derailed his entire life and everyone around him. So I think the, I think Wilder's trying to use a lot of shorthand here, but it would and it would just take like five or ten minutes of extra film to like you know have one maybe even just one scene with them in bliss, and then you could be like, oh, that's why, that's why she's trying so hard. It yeah. would work, but they don't bother with that. No, and that, and that's look. It's understandable, as you're saying. It's it's not the point of the film. Um, but on the same hand, it, it would add that that little extra there. What I find really interesting as well is that leaning on why people find him a nice guy because he is a nice guy for a lot of the time is because of the way that he talks. And this is one of the benefits of the script. I think is really wonderfully written. I think it's a really great script in a lot of ways. Andrew, Andrew it, coming up with the hot take that like Billy Wilder, pretty good writer. Pretty guy, good. Not pretty too good writer. Shabby. Kid's got not a too shabby. Yes. He knows what he's doing with a typewriter. Yes. And he, unlike the lead character. Yes. Unlike knows. the lead character, yeah. Um but he keenly manages to make all of the characters distinctly their own people and distinctly their own voice. Like yeah. Don has his own voice. He has his own way of saying things. And one of the powerful moments which I think you know, you're talking about things that um 
you know that he that you will remember the one moment that will really stick in my mind is when he goes to the bar and he sits down and he says just one drink just one drink and then he drinks his drink and puts it back down and the bartender goes to wipe away the the little circle that's on the table there and he says no 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 don't take that away that's my little vicious circle Mm-hmm. And that's really a powerful moment because he knows, yeah. he knows what's in that circle. It's he also, him. it's also a wonderful um, visual cue that they end up using later where you see all these little circles and you see like, it's just like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. everywhere. It's a, it's a great way of like passing the time and showing the amount he's drinking without showing the amount he's drinking. Like it's like, like I said, visually, like this is such an interesting movie. And, mm. and I feel like it has to be because if you're just going to make a movie about alcoholism and drinking and you're not, quote unquote, having a little bit of fun with the camera and what you're doing here. Like, it's just going to be it's going to be a slog. And you're just like, man, I don't even care about the message anymore. This just stinks. I don't want to be with this guy. He seems really sad. Like, why am I spending two hours at the movie theater with this guy? So, like, I think Wilder knows. You're like, OK, I got to I got to distract you a little bit here. Um, here's something I didn't realize about this movie. It is one of only three movies to win the highest award for the Academies and for the the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the very first film that won Best Picture at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. So, so it's this, Marty in 1955, and Parasite in 2019 are the only three movies to win both those major prizes. So that's pretty impressive stuff. It is very impressive. And it's impressive that, you know, this this feels like a Cannes film. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does. It, yeah. it feels like the kind of film that you would expect to yeah. win that. Well, while we're surprised that it won the Academy Award, like, oh, this one, of course it won the Academy yeah. Award. <laughs> oh, God, a movie about alcoholism is so yeah. sad. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, talking of the script again, like, I think one of the things which I really like is that the fringe character, who's kind of a bit of a, a nothing character in a way, but she's so wonderfully presented by Doris Dowling as Gloria, this um, oh, lady of the night. Just yeah. a great performance. But the character yeah. is not really doesn't carry that much impact, but I find it interesting. Their interactions, Gloria and Don's interactions with one another, where he keeps on going, you keep on saying things shorter and stuff. It doesn't like this slang that you're creating. And she's like, I don't have time. I don't have time to say words. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was like, man, I did not, I did not realize like some of those short, cause I've heard people use those shortenings. I was like, I did not know, and this was introduced in 1945. Like, who knew? Yeah, I love I love her character. Like, I I would watch a whole movie about her. Like, she's you know she's a really interesting character and someone you kind of interestingly, despite the fact that she's also got her problems, it's someone you feel like you want to spend time with. And I think I think so is he. And I think that's why this movie works. If he was just like a sad, angry alcoholic that like nobody liked and wasn't interesting. Then you'd be like, oh, who cares? Like It'd this guy, yeah. yeah. But it's like it's like you said, and this, I mean, it's a very good performance for Ray Milland. Um, but this is to me, if I gotta determine like what percentage comes from what, I think it's like thirty percent his performance, seventy percent like Billy Wilder's writing. Like it's just the it's it's a wonderful screenplay. I am weirdly still kind of mad that this won the Oscar for screenplay because again, Mildred Pierce. Like I just. So, like, this year is a very strange year. So you have a little bit of everything. They give this movie, which we've talked about a fair amount. You have Anchors Away, which is, like, an old-school, like, Hollywood, like, 
uh, romantic musical. Um, you know, you got Frank Sinatra. I mean, it's very like it would not surprise me if this had won an Oscar because it feels like a very old Hollywood thing. Uh, the Bells of St. Mary's, which is the sequel for the movie that we talked about in our in the last year. We talked What's it about. called? What's the movie called? Uh, going my way. <laughs> yes. I honestly is that okay? Ooh, yeah. God. Okay. Uh, so the Bells of Saint Mary's is a sequel to Going My Way. Everyone knows that. Um, it's a little bit better than Going My Way, but still not something that like you really need to see. Um, Spellbound, which we're going to talk about in our next episode, and Mildred fucking Pierce. Like I just, I want everyone to walk watch Mildred Pierce. It is an incredible piece of cinema. It is a movie that I think actually you Andrew recommended to me years ago. I did. Uh, you it blind did. bought it on Criterion, and my and reasoning for blind buying it on Criterion was just, oh no, she's got the same name as me, so therefore. Exactly. <laughs> Pierce, Mildred Pierce, spelled differently, but yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah, I I had, um, I was going through a Criterion phase, which has continued till now, um, and I was like, there's a sale, I got it, what should I buy? And Andrew's like, Mildred Pierce, and I was like, oh, okay. And I've, I've learned with Criterion, it's like, I don't question people as to why, because like, most of my criterions I blind bought and like, I don't think I've had a bad experience yet. Like they're, they're all like different levels of good. So I was like, okay. And then I watched Mildred Pierce and it is not good. It is great. One of the best movies ever made. Um, so the fact that this did not win, I mean, it won best actress, which it should for Joan Crawford, but like not much else. In like, her only win, wasn't it as well? Yeah. Uh-huh. What, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's the only thing it won. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, which and is and, and Michael Curtiz, who we've obviously talked about multiple times before, didn't even get nominated for best director. Jean Rawat got nominated for the Southerner, uh, which is nice to see. Andrew, but how does that happen? Like stylistically, no what a gorgeous movie, and like, oh, that's so upsetting. So this is good. Mildred Pierce is great. Mildred Pierce. I'm just going to say, like, even beyond Spellbound, Mildred Pierce should have won. Like, the fact that this this didn't win is, like, how do you... This is one of the things that, like, you look back on the Academy and, like, you dummies, you missed a big one here. I mean, this is... This would be, like, Lawrence of Arabia not winning Best Picture. Like, it's that level of greatness. Um, so that's really upsetting. So it's one of those things... It's tough when you talk about a movie like this in comparison, because this is a very good movie. And yet... I walk away from it being like, man, fuck that movie. Fuck the last weekend. Mildred Pierce should have won. Even though it's good. It's not like, oh, it's, it's a terrible movie. Uh, it never should have been nominated. Like, no, no. It's very, very good. Mildred Pierce is just a lot better. Yeah, Mildred Pierce is a is a masterpiece. It's, it is a great, great film, for sure. I think this is a really brilliant film in a lot of ways. Um, because it's no of going the, my way, Andrew. It's, it's no, no going my way. This is true. Look, if they had just one singing priest, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, now it's five stars. Five star drinking thick priest. That's what we need. Where's Michael Ruffalo when you got him? Um, uh, and we're I, back. I, yeah, I think I think the key thing is like Ray Milan's performance. I think is really like I haven't seen all of the their best actor winners for sure. Um, and I'm that's not a project. Yeah, I'm you haven't undertake. seen Bing Crosby in the Bells of Saint Mary's, Andrew. Yeah, getting nominated for the same performance. Um, but I. I think that there is something, there is a shorthand to the character that Milan cre- creates here, which I think is so 
something that I wish more actors would kind of look at this performance and go, oh, I should probably organically in- introduce these things into my character. In a way, like one of the things which he does is constantly puts a cigarette into his mouth the wrong way around. Yep. yep and yep. it's such a perfect thing and it doesn't feel like it's forced. It feels mm-hmm. like it's actually meant to happen that way. And it, it adds for some touching moments, especially when Jane Wyman comes and takes that cigarette and oh. ground and just casually corrects it and puts it in the right, right way. Such and a sweet like, moment. Yeah. And and it helps build up why they like each other and why they, oh. they care about each other. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, I think this is really brilliant. And I also want to add in, I'm looking at my notes here, um, but I'm, because it's, it, there is so much to talk about it in a, in a lot of ways, but one of the things which I noted as well was the manner that Wilder sucks the color out of the film, because this is presented in black and white, and certainly it could have been filmed in color, but it needed to be in black and white for sure. And yes. I think yes. there is a most important moment where just in the background you see, um, who's the artist who did that famous sunflowers painting? You're talking about Vincent Van Gogh? Yeah, that, that dude. Yeah, yeah, that dude. <laughs> Him, Van Gogh. Uh, yeah, in in one moment you see uh, a print of sunflowers in the background, and it is clearly like in black and white. It's jaundiced and pale and faded, and it feels like a sick version of something that is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and which is a perfect is like, analogy for it is. And it's like here, it's yeah. just there. It's not explicit. It's not like it's there if you kind of look at it. And it's all all of these little things in the film really elevate above being something really magical. Uh, like, well, not magical, but mundane, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, right. I, I want to find out for you, because, uh, you know, th- this year, obviously, we had another round. And then oh, there's... Great movie, by the way. Oh, great my movie. God. Wonderful. And that film really, really manages to balance the nature of alcoholism in a really fascinating way. Like it is mm-hmm. both celebrating drinking, but it also condemns it in a brutal manner. And then it leaves you in this moment where I'm like, I don't know what he's, you know, is Vinterberg with or against alcohol? That's a good question. It's a hard line. But then you look at something like Barfly, or you look at a writer like Bukowski, and both of those entities, I guess in a way, kind of romanticize alcoholism barfly i think is a great film and mickey rourke has a fantastic performance in there it is bleak and dark for sure but there is this very there is this sheen this allure to it there's like oh his life is not so bad like he's Mm -hmm. sitting at a bar and he's drinking and he's chatting and he's having not a bad time as opposed to Mm -hmm. something like leaving las vegas where it's (laughs) clearly dark oh that wasn't fun for you you didn't have a (laughs) old time Dick Cage in that movie? No, uh, unfortunately not. No, but I wonder for you, how is that line of romanticizing alcohol uh, versus condemning it? Um, you know, obviously you're talking about this film kind of going a little bit too far. Where's the balance? Is it something like yeah. another round? The balance is another round, um, and it's. I think the the very fact that you walked away from that movie not knowing whether Vinterberg is for drinking or against drinking is proof that like he hit the line perfectly uh, because like, and you know, back to my profession, one of the first things I ask all my clients when, you know, my drug addicted or alcohol addicted clients um, is I, the first question I ask them is like, what's good about it? What did you like about it? Because a lot of therapists don't ask that question because we're so stuck on like, well, we need to change. And I'm like, yeah, but if I don't know, if I don't know why you do it, if I don't know what you get out of it, 
then what's the point of us having this conversation? Because like if there is nothing good from alcohol or drugs, I would be out of a job. Because you, if all the consequences were negative, nobody would do it. Nobody would just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to punch myself in the eye nine times, like just for fun, because uh, I like I like to be sad. No, that's not, you know, usually it's to negate something else that's going on. It's to hide something else that's going on. I've yet to meet a drug addicted person who is like, oh, I just started to use drugs just because just because it was fun. Like usually it's to cover some sadness. Um, so you but you need both. You need both pieces. Right. Um, and I think another round, honestly, like one of my favorite movies of the last year, um, one of those I was hoping would be like uh, that was my actual hope for like what was going to win Best Picture um, as, during the lead up. I was like, that would be so cool. But of course, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, I think especially if you're trying to do a little bit of a message film, this is a lot bit of a message film, The Lost Weekend. It is very clear. And so is Leaving Las Vegas. And I think sometimes that's the error is that they go too far on the other side. They're so scared to get called out for romanticizing alcohol or drug use that they're like, oh, we, we can't show anything good about it. Like even the times he's having fun, it can only be with other degenerates. We can't possibly have him getting along with a normal person because like he's an alcoholic. We can't possibly look at that. So it's like you have to you have to show a little bit of both. Right. But you can't just romanticize. Right. You have to show the negative consequences as well. And and I don't think there is a hard line. I think it's going to be dependent on the characters that you're traveling with, like what that's going to be. And it's like, this is why film and literature is, it's an art and it's not a science. So there's no like, well, add one parts alcoholism and two parts fun and three parts negative consequences. And there you have the line where you need to be like, no, it's just, it's gonna, and it's going to depend on the audience too. Like, like you probably have a different response to this than I do because of my, my career right so it's like you're gonna have a different thing but it's it's tough it's a tough line to balance on for sure this is what i'd say billy wild sucks and vinterberg is good that's what i'm saying billy yeah. wild what a hack what a hack guy. has no idea what he's doing if only it was iran for us to tell him that um that's right <laughs> but for you for you obviously you're coming from a a counselor's perspective from somebody who who knows how to untether these these kinds of connections that people have. Whereas for me, I come from a perspective where, you know, my mum is an alcoholic and mm-hmm. the difficult aspect is like beginning of last year, um, you know, right as COVID was hitting, uh, she crashed her car and not just crashed her car. She totaled it. And I had to go and pick her up from the uh, police station. And that was right. one of the, the grimmest, moments of my life it's a it was a really very sad low point and i think the hard thing is for people who have an addiction to alcohol is getting from them to understand that they have an addiction to alcohol and Mm. understanding that they could have all the support in the world yep but if they don't have that desire to actually change themselves never gonna happen never gonna happen that's why the the ending of this film is so fucking depressing because yeah. you know he's there's no changing Don. Nope. There's none. Nope. He's going you know? right back. Yeah. And absolutely. and it doesn't matter. Like you know, you're talking about what he saw in drinking or what people see in drinking, what what why they do it. To me, I think, you know, he's doing it so he can get away from writing because the fear of mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole sequence where he explains this, but the fear of being a writer 
And it, it's that again is an, an, a notion that is kind of romanticized the the alcoholic writer who can't put words mm-hmm. down on the page and all this kind of stuff. And granted, it's something that's been built up over the decades, but here it's done in a really powerful manner. Like you genuinely mm-hmm. believe that this guy has greatness within him, but it's mm-hmm. being smothered and, you know, consumed by alcohol and therefore he can't actually find the words to put on the page. And that sadness and depression leads you to more drinking. Mm-hmm. Is do you think that that's a, the, his reason? Is that a solid enough reason? Like, yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's never just one reason, right? Of there's course, always, yeah, you know, a thousand. He's things. got no money. He's got right, you know. and I'm sure if we could go back into Don's past, we would see some bad examples um, from adults and maybe some trauma and neglect. Um, but I think a lot of it is this: like, what if I'm, what if I'm worthless? Yeah. What if, what if I can't do anything? And then, like, if I try, if I'm sober and I try to do this, I'm going to find out for sure whether or not I'm any good at this. And what if I find out that I'm not and I've got nothing to blame it on? What a terrifying life to be like, this is what I this is who I want to be. I know what my dream is. I know what I feel like I'm meant to do. But if I try this for real and I don't get it done then I'm going to know for sure. There's like, there's like an old saying of like, you know, um, people may think you're stupid, but you can, you can, uh, you know, remove all, all unsurety by opening your mouth. Like this is the artistic version of that, right? It's like, yeah, some people may think I can't do it. And some people may think I can, but if I do this, I'm going to remove all doubt. And what if it ends up that I can't, then who am I? Who am I? If I'm not the struggling artist, then it's like, no, now I'm a failed artist. Past tense. Yeah. There's no coming back from that. And then I have to figure out who I really am. And Andrew, there is no more terrifying thing than knowing you have to find out who you really are. Like, instead of avoiding it. Because we all avoid, right? Oh, yeah. Every yeah. human being has avoidance techniques. What we do to keep people at a distance, to keep the world at a distance. Like, well, if I really tried, I could probably do that. But, you know, I've got work. I've got related. So I just I just can't. But in another world, in another existence, maybe I could have done that. We all do that, right? He just does it with a substance that is seriously harmful to him and everyone around him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite important, and it's. I think it's a yeah. I, I don't know. A I nice, is, a nice uplifting film you've given us, Andrew. Fucking hell. Good. I don't. I don't decide these things. So I don't decide the, these things. Before before we close this up, I want to tell you my experience of watching this movie. I'm like, okay, I got a you know, I got an Oscar winning movie to watch. It's directed by Billy Wilder. I just come home from work, where I work with drug addicts and alcoholics. Let me just pop on this nice, lighthearted Billy Wilder movie about a lost weekend. And the first five minutes, oh, 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 it's about, oh, it's about an alcoholic. Ah, but they're going to go off to the, the country, and they're going to get they're going to pet some goats. It's going to be great. Uh, and then it's like, no, Dave, you were going to watch your clients, but on screen. And I was like, fucking Andrew, this, god damn it, why this? And I, I should say not fucking Andrew, but fucking Academy. Like, <laughs> I know. am the Academy Awards, Dave. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, Acres Away is like not a great movie, but it's, you know, it's Gene Kelly. It's Frank Sinatra. You know, they're sailors. They're dancing. There's a cute kid. There's some beautiful women. This is a good time. 
But no, we're going to watch, uh, we're going to do some serious homework watching, and we're going to watch The Lost Weekend. Still a very good movie, but definitely not what I was expecting after a day at work, working with heroin and alcohol addicts, coming home to alcohol addicts on my screen at home. Yeah. God. There is there is one moment that we, we do need to talk about before we wrap up, and I, I almost forgot about it, and I... I I was questioning myself as to what this meant in my notes, but the last thing I've written is tiny turkeys in small hats. I'm like, tiny turkeys in small hats. <laughs> I'm like, what the that fuck? Sounds like, that sounds like a great movie. I mean, I, I, would, <laughs> I would rather watch tiny turkeys in small hats than the last But I remember now. I remember. Okay. All right. The nightmare sequence, which is one of the darkest moments in Best Picture history and, and you know, maybe in cinema and, like, we're heading into October. This is... If you want a horror film, people watch this, especially this particular sequence where he is freaking out because he's run out of alcohol and he's got to, he's got to mm. do something. And then he imagines this rat climbing out of the wall, and then he imagines oh, yeah. this yeah. bat coming, and this bat and this rat. And I'll be a good boy and drink this. I don't want it. Better take it. Liable to be a little floor show later on around here. Might get on your nerves. Floor show? Ever have the DTS? No. You will, brother. Not me. Like to make a little bet? After all, you're just a freshman. Wait till you're a sophomore. That's when you start seeing the little animals. You know that stuff about pink elephants? That's the bunk. It's little animals. Little tiny turkeys and straw hats. Midget monkeys coming through the keyholes. See that guy over there? With him, it's beetles. Come the night, he sees beetles crawling all over him. Has to be dark, though. It's like the doctor was just telling me. Delirium is a disease of the night. <laughs> Good night. Then the bat eats the rat and all this blood just drips out of the hole and it's terrifying. It's genuinely yep. terrifying. This film yep. is apparently rated PG. Where is it? Yeah, PG. I'm like, I don't want kids watching that. Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, this is, of course, remember, this is, of course, before PG-13 existed. I think true. this would definitely be at least a PG-13 movie now. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, I... I love that sequence. Um, it's a I think powerful it's, sequence. It's, yeah. it's incredible. And also, like, you know, I like horror movies, so I'm not going to be, like, too too upset by something like that. Because, like, you know, in comparison to some of the most the awful things I've seen on screen, you know, bat and a rat attacking each other is not the end of the world. But I think it's necessary in a movie like this to have a nightmare sequence because so much of his drinking and his problematic stuff is on his own. Right. So you don't really get to see other people's reactions to him other than like, you know, being mildly annoyed because these aren't people that know him and love him. They're just Mm -hmm. like other folks at the bar like, oh, God, here we go again. This this guy, you know, Don's acting up again. Okay, that's fine. But when you get to see the inside of his psyche and everything that's going on there, and I think that's connected to the same sequence with like the alcohol bottle and the shadows. It's like, God, it's so good. Like just even just in a vacuum, just watching that scene is really impressive work from Billy Wilder and and from um, Ray Milland as well. Like, he's very good in that sequence. Like, you do see the terror and the fear um, in his eyes, and it would be so easy. It is a big performance in that scene, but I don't think it ever tips over into being, like, ridiculous, and it would mm. be so easy to go there. Um, so it's a really good performance. I think he's, you know, just a little bit better than Bing Crosby. <laughs> High praise there from Dave. So I guess 
you know, with that, with the bat out of the way and the rat out of the way and the tiny turkeys in small hats, um, which I think is, you know, I, I will put the clip in there, but it's, it is such a really profound moment because of how people actually, you know, imagine these dark things appearing. And really, when you think about it, there is nothing more terrifying than tiny turkeys and small hats. Like that is, that is like, I kept on thinking about it because my immediate reaction was to laugh. I'm like, that sounds stupid. It sounds yes, pathetic. Yes. But then I'm like, you, you imagine it, like these tiny turkeys and small hatches walking into a room. <laughs> I wish darkness. this was a video podcast so people could see your little march. <laughs> this is the best. Yes. Tiny turkeys and small hats. Now we know what really scares Andrew Pierce of the curb is yeah, tiny, tiny turkeys. turkeys. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Marching through the room. Yes. Yeah. None of this like <laughs> 10 duck size horses or, or one's horse sized duck or something like that. You know, it's like. Tiny turkeys and small hats is fucking terrifying. Yes. For that absolutely. for that reason alone, I think this film matters. You know, I, I does it matter to you? Yeah, I mean I think it does. Um I think it's a really good example of how to make a message picture work. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a lot of there's a lot of message movies. Like Hollywood loves, yeah, loves like Ace preach. in the Hole, for example. Yeah. Oh, yes, they love to preach. Uh they do. And same thing with uh, Mrs. Miniver. That's mm. another Especially at the end, that stupid priest that I'll just never get over. Um, but this is a way to do it where you care. You care about him. You care especially about Jane Wyman, if you're Andrew. But like all the rest of us, too, we care about her, too. Um, so, like, does it go a little bit hard in some places? Like, would I make some change? Yeah, sure. But, like, I think overall it it achieves the goals it sets out to without being, like, so preachy that you tune out. I think specifically because of that nightmare sequence and him waking up in the alcoholics ward and all that business, um, it's affecting. Um, and it is one of the better movies about alcoholism I've ever seen. Um, I think Leaving Las Vegas is also very good. And yeah, we've talked that about is a great film. Round. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about another round being, you know, better than this Billy Wilder nonsense, uh, for sure. Uh, but this is really, really good. And yeah, it matters. And this is... And it honestly, any movie that wins both of those awards should matter. Like, I would be very disappointed if I watch this and be like, oh, yeah, this one, both, this is terrible. I like, was as apprehensive like as you. Like, like Gone with the Wind winning all those awards. Like, yeah, what a terrible movie to win all these awards. But it also only <laughs> made, it makes sense that this film only won the four awards that it did. Like, it, it, it you know, maybe probably should have won cinematography or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's these wins you know, and Spotlight, for example, as well, where it's like, okay, I can understand why you only got a couple of awards because you excelled at these ones and it's fine that the other ones didn't, you know. I would argue that this should only, I'm going to be a jerk, but that this no, should, no, only, really. <laughs> should only have won Cinematography and Best Actor. Those are the only two awards it should have won. Okay. Because Mildred Pierce exists, Andrew. Yeah, like, yeah. Doesn't make it bad. Like, nominated, fine. But like, Best director, best picture, best actress, best supporting actress, all should have gone to Mildred Pierce. Yeah. This and best true. adapted screenplay also Yep, should have gone to Mildred Pierce. So there you go. Just saying, you know, you're okay the last weekend, but you're no Joan Crawford. Is Sorry. anybody Joan Crawford? No, this is true. Only Joan Crawford is Joan Crawford. God knows. <laughs> but Joan Crawford's not Jane Wyman, and that's a big difference there, you know. So I wouldn't yeah. want to sit on the couch with Joan Crawford and drink tea. Like, mm. yeah. I would, uh, <laughs> but I, I have 
you know, it's spiked. different expectations. Yeah, she might hit me with the T. I'm okay with that. <laughs> How many people can say, I mean, a lot, probably back then, but not that many people alive now can say, I got cracked in the head by a teacup from Joan Crawford. That is a story you can tell, my friend. It's true. That's a story. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just have different goals on the couch with tea. I mean, that's that's all it is. You want to have a nice, quiet conversation and someone gentle. And I want to. I want a moment. I want. I want something that I can write about and that I can tell people about. I just Not want like, to be oh, Rock Hudson. Nice. That's it. Like you're like Jake Wyman was nice. Yeah. That's that's what you want to be. You want to be Rock Hudson. Interesting. Yeah. From mm. all that heaven allows, you know, those two just sitting in front oh, of the. You want fire. to be that character, so that's different <laughs> than <being> Rock Hudson. <laughs> Yeah. Just gonna put that out there. <laughs> I, I mean, either way, either way is fine. <laughs> right. Good point. So last weekend, you should watch it. Mildred Pierce, you should watch it. You should also follow us on social media. Where, where can people find you, Dave? Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Darn That Day, but also you should find a way to watch Spellbound, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. Oh, shit, uh, yeah. which I think is, <laughs> it's available on YouTube for free currently because it's not anywhere else. Yeah, um, I happen to have a hard copy of it because a friend of mine gave me like a little Hitchcock collection um, that I was like, oh, look, I actually own this. How about that? I had no idea. Uh, but you should watch Bella. But you can find me at Darn That Dave on Twitter. Um, you can tell me how wrong I am about Joan Crawford if you like. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. Yeah, because you'd uh, be yeah, wrong. Yeah. You would be wrong, yes, as usual, because you're saying something different from me. So clearly <laughs> you are wrong, Andrew. Uh, yes, but find me at Darn That Dave on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you, Andrew? The Curb AU uh, is where you can find me. Um, that's very exciting on there. Uh, Australian films and stuff. And then Awards Don't Pod, Awards Don't Matter Pod, something like that. Uh, Awards Don't Pod. It's in Don't the pod. Awards yep. Don't Pod. There we go. Great. Bingo. <laughs> well, I have notes for these things. I don't read them. Uh, yeah, fantastic. It's uh, great for listening. Thank you, everybody. Um, be kind to one another, and we'll see you on the next episode where we're going to be watching Spellbound. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes of that YouTube video as well. Yeah, good man. Weave me another. Better take it easy. Oh, don't worry about me. Just let me know when it's a quarter of six. Okay. Come on, Matt. Join me. One little jigger of dreams, huh? No, thanks. You don't approve of drinking? Not the way you drink. It shrinks my liver, doesn't it, Matt? It pickles my kidneys, yes. But what does it do to my mind? It tosses the sandbags overboard so the balloon can soar. Suddenly I'm above the ordinary. I'm competent, supremely competent. I'm walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I'm one of the great ones. I'm Michelangelo molding the beard of Moses. I'm Van Gogh painting pure sunlight. I'm Horowitz playing the Emperor Concerto. I'm John Barrymore before the movies got him by the throat. I'm Jesse James and his two brothers, all three of them. I'm W. Shakespeare. And out there, it's not Third Avenue any longer, it's the Nile, Nat. The Nile, and down it moves the barge of Cleopatra. Kimmy. Purple the sails, and so perfumed that the winds were lipsing with them. The oars were silver, which to the tune of flutes kept stroke. The most startling novel of the decade. Brought to the screen with uncompromising frankness. Pulling no punches knowing full well the storm it would cause. For this is a relentless, terrifying tale of five lost days and nights, torn from a man's life, bearing his heart and soul. The Lost Weekend, starring Ray Milland in one of the great performances of motion picture history. And Jane Wyman as the girl who shared his desperate journey into fear. 
you just happen to walk in on this. Now, if you know what's good for you, you'll turn around and walk out again, and walk fast, and don't turn back. Down strange, forbidden byways, he wandered in search of his soul. One woman loved him too much to let him lose it. G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter, the podcast that takes a look at the best picture winners and the losers and says, does this matter at all? My name's Andrew Pierce and I'm joined by my co-host who's looking very concerned at the moment, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, I'm always concerned. It's early in the morning here where we're recording. I just like, this is how awful my weekends are. I just hopped out of bed and I was like, Andrew, let's record. <laughs> Let's let's talk about the Lost Weekend, which is the movie we're going to talk about today. A, an uplifting, nice little movie um, that everybody loves. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard of this, and you've all watched it nine times over your film watching career. And you're just, I can't wait for Dave and Andrew to finally dive into fan favorite, The Lost Weekend. <laughs> yeah. Written, co-written by Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett, directed by Billy Wilder. They all won Oscars. Ray Milland also won an Oscar for Best Actor and won Best Picture. Uh, cruelly, Jane Wyman was shut out for the Best yeah. Supporting Actress nomination. Uh, my the real heart is reason, broken there. The real reason Andrew wanted to watch this movie, Jane <laughs> Wyman. I mean, like, you know, you've got your priorities straight. That's good. Jane Wyman is the kind of actress that you want to sit down on the couch with and have a have a cup of tea and just, you know... Is that like a euphemism in Australia for something? No, or is that like no, just literally just a cup of tea? Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. After yeah. the whole Dune Dune thing <laughs> of our last recording, I want to just want to be clear at what we're talking about. <laughs> I find her so easy to watch and so mm-hmm. nice yeah. and comfortable just to spend time with. All That Heaven Allows is such a beautiful film. It's one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not this film, but um, Jane Wyman is just... Ah, oh, she just lights up the screen and and chills it. She, every time I see her in a movie, she's very pleasant. Like yeah. I, I totally, I totally get that. Where like you know, just someone you'd like to like hang out with for a bit. It's just, and also she's nice to look at. I mean, let's let's be honest, she's good looking woman. So that yeah. that helps yeah. too for sure. So, but can we talk about Billy Wilder for a second? So I know, I know that Billy Wilder has he had a very varied career, right? He did a little bit of everything in terms of genre. But do you think of drama when you think of Billy Wilder? Because I don't. I immediately go to the comedies. So, like, I was like, oh, a Billy Wilder movie. I had no idea what this was about, by the way. I didn't look oh, up. Really? All I knew, no, all I knew was that, that he directed it. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, a fun time. It's going to be a romp, a lost weekend. What what hijinks will, this, will these folks get up to on this lost weekend? So I was... Very surprised by this movie. It was not what I expected. Yeah. So what do you, like, how much Billy Wilder have you watched? And what do you expect when you walk into a Billy Wilder movie? I guess, I mean, my first Billy Wilder film was Ace in the Hole, which is still kind of equal favorite. And so that is as black as it comes. It is a dark, dark film. And it ends uh, in such a really dark way. So my experience was, you know, mm. I always come to his films thinking, there is going to be a little bit of darkness here. And then the next film I watched was The Apartment. And a lot of people think that The Apartment is a all-in-out yeah, just comedy. A, just a sweet, uh, you know, fun movie where nothing bad happens. Oh, wait, yeah. except for the suicide attempt. Like, I honestly always forget about it. Like, I'm like, oh, The Apartment. Everybody loves The Apartment. And then, uh, you know, on my other podcast, Off Screen Death with our friend Mike, that was the first, our very first episode. 
yeah. was the apartment. And, I, and I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is dark. <laughs> this is really dark, for sure. Yeah. But, like, and, this is the second kind of Billy Wilder-esque movie we've done, right? He wrote Ninochka, mm-hmm. um, a favorite of both of ours. Um, I, yeah. I like my time with Ninochka better. It's a lot nicer than this. Nothing to do with quality. This is just like, ugh. Yeah, this is a really hard film to watch. And this is, you know, the the plot is fairly simple. It is about Ray Milan's character, who effectively is an alcoholic. And it is about... Not just effectively. Fucking is. He is, yeah, he is, yeah. (laughs) And what I really like about this film is how immediate it sets the stakes for... Oh, what yeah. kind of alcoholic he is, and also how his his family and his friends and his partner are dealing with his alcoholism. The uh-huh. the film opens on this really beautiful shot of New York City, and then it pans across with this narration going on. It pans across to this window with this bottle hanging out of the window, and then we know that he's getting his luggage together, or should be getting his luggage luggage together with his brother to go away on this weekend together at some place. And that doesn't eventuate because the alcohol is there. He needs to drink. Right. He's got right. to drink. And I don't know if I've seen a darker film win best picture. Like there are yeah, there are yeah. darker films and I was I was yes. thinking about this in the sense that sure, war films, you know, or Quiet in the Western Front, Platoon, uh, Deer Hunter, they're all dark. Okay, but they're dark in the sense that, yeah, war war is not nice. But The Lost Weekend is dark in a very personal way. Yeah, it's so much more intimate oh, yeah, yeah. In, in its darkness, for sure. So, like, so just to go backwards for one moment, like, the, mm-hmm. the thing the thing I think of with Billy Wilder is, like, some like it hot. Like, yeah. that's, that's what, and that's not what this is. And I find, you mentioned, like, the setup for this movie, which I think is so interesting, because they go to great pains to set up this idea of like going off to essentially this farm for this weekend to like, you know, basically just dry him out. Right. Mm. Um, and it, it's one of those like, wow, you did a lot of work for something that's just a red herring. Like that is, no, <laughs> there's no part of this movie that's going to happen. And as I'm watching the beginning of it, I'm immediately worried. I'm worried anytime there's a movie about addiction in general, let alone, like from the forties and fifties, I'm like, Oh God, how are we going to, cause for those people that don't know, like that's the field I work in. So I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. So this is very close for me and I'm watching this and it's the way it's set up originally. It's very like a lot of hijinks. Like there's, you know, there's, you know, the bottles out the window and he's pulling them up with a string. Oh, go look for my typewriter. I'm going to distract you while I get in clink, 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 clink. And it's like, Oh God, I, I don't know if I can do this. But then it definitely switches like, um, you know, Billy Wilder knows that this is a serious topic. And like, honestly, maybe my only issue with the movie is that it's almost too serious. It's very much like a like, oh, the evils of the the devil drink. And like it's it's like the alcohol version of what's the uh, what's the anti-marijuana movie? Oh, Reef of Madness. Yeah, Yeah. Reef of Madness. It's like that. Like it is a little on the extreme side. Even for someone like me who like knows how extreme alcoholism and drug addiction can get, mm. I'm, I'm a little like, oh, okay, Billy, let's just <laughs> fucking reel it in a little bit. But I will say this is maybe in terms of all the Billy Wilder movies I've seen, which isn't all of them, sure, but at least five or six of them, 
This is maybe the most visually interesting. He's he's like really putting in some work here. There is a there is a shot of like shadows as mm. he is like really struggling and it kind of forms the shape of a bottle on the ceiling and it's like oh Billy's having a good time. <laughs> Movie. like he's really and the dissolve into the actual glass of whiskey oh, and stuff like beautiful that beautiful it's... shot oh my god like that yeah. that is maybe my favorite visual moment of the entire film like it's just like billy's billy's really going for it here and i really appreciate it but you bring up the fact that this is really dark and it like this is what i love about doing this podcast is like i you know sometimes you think you have an idea of what the academy likes what they're what they're gonna reward and man if you had if i didn't know anything about i mean we already talked in the last episode where i like i just assumed that mildred pierce won best picture because i'm just gonna get it's this out of the way now it's the obvious best movie of yeah. that year and many other years so like let's just move on um but if i would just watch these five movies that were nominated and i had to rank like okay which which one do you think the academy would like 1 to 5 this has got to be number 5 cuz it's so dark and it's a very good movie but like this is just there's there's not this movie would almost have more hope if he died at the end like mm-hmm. it actually it is it's even more cynical the way the film ends like oh i'm just going to use this all this all this awful stuff i'm not going to deal with it i'm just going to use it essentially for monetary and artistic gain yeah. Like, good God. Like, as I'm watching this, I'm just like, Billy, what is, what was going on <laughs> in your life, sir? Are you okay? Like, yeah. Like, where's Marilyn Monroe? We need some happiness for, for Mr. Wilder here, because there's, it's a little bit rough for sure. Yeah, very much so. And I, I do find that really interesting how, has kind of keenly informed the script is in that manner. Like, it is so pitch black. It is so dark. And it, it I don't know the personal lives of Charles Brackett or Billy Wilder. They they appear to live, you know, fine lives and all this kind of stuff, long enough lives. Um, but there is a real keen understanding of what it means to be an alcoholic here. Um, it is so grounded in a reality of what addiction can do to somebody, what right. addiction does do to your mind, and what addiction does to your worldview as well. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah... It's the well, only Andrew, thing. Well, mm. Andrew, if you did as much research for this show as I did, you would know. <laughs> as much research is like me right now opening up Wikipedia. That is my amount of research. So Wilder apparently was originally drawn to this material after having worked with Raymond Chandler on the screenplay for Double Indemnity, another great movie that we have at least briefly talked about. Um, and Chandler was a recovering alcoholic at the time, so the stress of their relationship is what Billy Wilder was essentially used as, you know, fodder for his next, you know, his next film. Um, and this will make you happy. Sometimes things things work out for the best. We talked about, mm-hmm. you know, casting in this movie. Apparently, the first choice for playing Helen was Olivia de Havilland, um, but she couldn't do it. And then they uh, also considered Catherine Hepburn and Jean Arthur. Oh, wonderful actresses, but like you got Andrew got Andrew won. Yeah, this, I did. This version I did. Of Second billing, so. Jane Wyman, one of the greatest right. actresses around. And I think that her the casting there is really, really important because, you know, it is fortunate that she is there, but she has this this both a, a young kind face, but also a mature face that understands the darkness of what is going on here. And I think that is really, really very important. The character's name is Don Burnham, played by Ray Milland, and Helen St. James, played by Jane Wyman. And 
Jane manages to imbue Helen with that that grounded look of just like there is something really bad going on in your life and I think that I can help you out and get to the man that I feel that I love within right. you. And, and it's not it's not in a like a, a fixer opera kind of way. No, you know? No. It's not a anything like that. There is genuine affection for one another yes. here. Yes. Yeah. And there's like there's a gentleness from her that I think you're not gonna get I mean, especially from Catherine Hepburn. I don't know that that, that is not really her thing. No. Uh, God, <laughs> God bless her. One of the most talented, wonderful actresses of any generation. But gentle is not a term I would use uh, to describe her acting style. Same thing with Olivia de Havilland, actually. Like, I was like, I just don't like it. I'm glad they all said no. Because I think, honestly, like, he's really good. I mean, he wins the award for pretty good reason. Like, this is a very good performance. But I think her performance is arguably more important than his in this because he gets to like kind of go hog wild here like he is like on a bender and like it is very convincing but it's extreme hers is there's a lot more subtlety going on i mean the probably the most heartbreaking moment of the movie for me is when she realizes this man is going to kill himself like i'm going to lose him not to drink but to a a bullet and then she, you know, she's like, here, drink, please. Do you know, Don, there was some whiskey left in the bottle after I cleaned up last night. Was there? Wouldn't you like to know where I put it? No. Do you want a drink, Don? No. Here it is right here. Why don't you have one? Just one. What are you up to? Nothing. I'm just ashamed of the way I talk to you. Like a narrow-minded, insensitive, small-town teetotaler. I told you I don't feel like a drink. Not now. Come on, Don, just one. I'll have one with you. I'm in no hurry. This is my easy day at the office. Look, Helen, there are a few things I want to put in order before Wick comes. Let me stay. Please. No. I don't want to sound rude, but I'm afraid you'll have to leave now. Here, Don. You're very sweet. Goodbye. Don't have been for nothing. You need this, Don. Drink it. I want you to drink it. I'll get you some more. I'll get you all you want. What kind of talk is that? It's just that I'd rather have you drunk than dead. It pulled at my heartstrings for sure, because in the line of work that I'm in, I've said this to people before, is like, if I have to choose between, because we always, of course, do an assessment for suicide for everyone, and the, one of the ways I explain it to them is like, if I got to choose between you being alive and using, or you being dead and sober... I'm going to take alive and using every day, right? We have to, you have to be alive to experience anything good in this world, to experience anything. Um, so watching that is just like, oh man. And it's of course so much more intimate because they have an intimate relationship. This is not a counselor and a client talking. This is a man and a woman talking who supposedly love each other or care about each other. And she is just like, I just, I don't want you to be a drunk. I don't want you to put your body and me through this. But I don't want you to die. Like, I want you to be alive. So, like, you can see her, like, near tears, her hands shaking as she's holding these two glasses of brown liquor. Just, like, please drink. Because she knows if he drinks, he's not going to die. And it's just like, oh, man. Like, what a great... It's, like, one scene in the movie. But it's probably the thing that I'm going to pull from this most. That's I'm not so much going to remember... Because there's, like, a hundred different scenes of him at the bar and ranting and raving and sloshing around. Which is... Very well performed. Like, I watched it. I'm like, this is 
very convincing. He goes right up to the line of it being too silly, um, but then kind of pulls it back a little bit. But that scene with her, man, that, oh my goodness, it's so affecting. It is a really powerful moment. I wonder for you, do you feel, because the, the moment that they meet is a really nice, interesting moment, even though he is an absolute prick to her right away. Uh-huh. It is this mistaken, he's got her jacket, she's got his, and they have this encounter, and then um, they go separate ways, and as they do, this bottle falls out of his jacket, because that's really all he wanted. He didn't want his jacket, he just wanted yep. the bottle. And they, yep. most importantly, he left a beautiful performance early, you know, at the opera, because of the fact that he's so eagerly needed a drink and i think that that is a really devastating moment that wilder uses i i don't know what the performance is but he uses the the opera as a you know a a comparison to his life as to what's going on on stage which is literally everybody drinking on stage singing and drinking Uh and i think it's um it's an Italian opera where they're all focused on a woman and all this kind of stuff because that's all the Italian operas do. But they That's all the Italians do. I know. It's all the Italians do, yeah. <laughs> I've seen Fellini films. I know what yeah, they're like. <laughs> alcohol and women. That's it. That's all yeah. we care about. Red wine and women. That's 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 our focus. Yes, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that it's that is a really powerful look moment. At- like not only like negating like a beautiful moment and art mm. and just you know I got a drink, but also the impact of triggers. And like if you're struggling with alcoholism and you go see a movie or a play where everyone's having a good time and drinking, you immediately go back to like, yeah, I could be doing that right now. I remember that that thing mm. that I like supposedly been trying to give up because everyone tells me I do it wrong and it's it's not fun anymore and I'm doing all this harm to my body. But look at them. Look at them up there on that stage or on that screen, you know, having a couple drinks, carousing with their friends. It's hard to shut that down. It's hard to, you know, in recovery talk, we talk at playing the tape all the way forward, um, which is now an outdated phrasing because no one has tapes. They don't know what they are. These kids, they don't know what tapes are. Kids out there listening, tapes were like a way you played (laughs) all so I yeah, love the fact that you think that children are there. Yeah, like nine-year-olds. Are listening to this. <laughs> uh, so the idea of this is like, oh, if you just play the tape a little bit for like, oh, I'm having a good time. Everything's great. But if you play it through till the next morning and you're throwing up and you're hungover and your family is mad at you, your partner is mad at you, then it's like, okay, maybe if I look at the consequences, I shouldn't do this. But he's just sees these people on stage having a good time. And he's like, yeah, I got a bottle in my in my jacket out there. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to. I'm going to do that, you know, and of course it never ends up that way. It ends up with you drinking alone and crying. But in the moment where you make that choice, that's not what Mm. you're thinking about. And, but the relationship is kind of founded on the promise of a drink because she's going to a party and he was going to go home and finish the bottle. And, and he says to her, you know, are there going to be drinks there? And sure enough, they go off. Do you think at that point that she is, understands that he might have something wrong because one of the issues that I do have with the film, as much as I like this film, one of the issues is that it doesn't really show moments of their relationship where there is kind of some moment where you can understand why she genuinely loves him. Besides this is the one wanting to get one big him. problem. 
This is the one big problem in this movie. And and I get it. It's not about their relationship. She is, in terms of the movie, she is there to see, serve a very certain purpose. And it's not about that. It's about his struggles and of alcoholism and the evils of the devil drink and all that stuff. So they don't waste time. I wish they built it up a little bit more. I wish we got to see a little bit of, like, him, I don't know, treating her like a little better and like you understand like oh she's remembering what he was like in these earlier moments and i think that would make it even more impactful um but they don't waste time with that but you're right like i you know i think they're they're trying to do some shorthand stuff here where you're just like making an assumption well clearly there were some good times you know sprinkled in there and like there's a reason for her to like this man because like most people like this guy like you know, the bartender likes him. The like, you know, the quote unquote floozy at the bar seems to really appreciate his company. Um, like everyone who comes in contact with him until he gets really inebriated tends to like him. He's a likable guy. He's like a normal guy. Like even he passes these women, these old women on the street, these like old biddies who are gossiping about him. And what do they say? Not like, oh, God, this ridiculous drunk. They're like, oh, that's the nice young man who has a problem with drinking. Like that's how they describe him. So everyone in the world thinks of him as this nice guy who just has this one little problem that has derailed his entire life and everyone around him. So I think the, I think Wilder's trying to use a lot of shorthand here, but it would, and it would just take like five or ten minutes of extra film to like, you know, have one, maybe even just one scene with them in bliss. And then you could be like, oh, that's why. That's why she's trying so hard. It yeah. would work, but they don't bother with that. No, and that, and that's look. It's understandable, as you're saying. It's it's not the point of the film. Um, but on the same hand, it, it would add that that little extra there. What I find really interesting as well is that leaning on why people find him a nice guy because he is a nice guy for a lot of the time is because of the way that he talks. And this is one of the benefits of the script. I think is really wonderfully written. I think it's a really great script in a lot of ways. Andrew, Andrew it, coming up with the hot take that like Billy Wilder, pretty good writer. Pretty okay. good. Not Pretty too good writer. Shabby. Kid's got Not a too shabby. Yes. He knows what he's doing with a typewriter. He's, and he, unlike the lead character. Yes. Unlike knows. the lead character, yeah. Um but he keenly manages to make all of the characters distinctly their own people and distinctly their own voice. Like yeah. Don has his own voice. He has his own way of saying things. And one of the powerful moments which I think you know, you're talking about things that um you know, that he, that you will remember. The one moment that will really stick in my mind is when he goes to the bar and he sits down and he says, just one drink, just one drink. And then he drinks his drink and puts it back down. And the bartender goes to wipe away the, the little circle that's on the table there. And he says, no, 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 don't take that away. That's my little vicious circle. Mm -hmm. And that's really a powerful moment because he knows, he knows what's in that circle. It's also... It's also a wonderful um, visual cue that they end up using later where you see all these little circles and you see like it's just like, oh, yeah, OK, OK. It's yeah. everywhere. It's a, it's a great way of like passing the time and showing the amount he's drinking without showing the amount he's drinking. Like it's like like I said, visually, like this is such an interesting movie. And mm. and I feel like it has to be because if you're just going to make a movie about alcoholism and drinking and you're not. 
quote unquote having a little bit of fun with the camera and what you're doing here like it's just going to be it's going to be a slog and you're just like man I don't even care about the message anymore this just stinks I don't want to be with this guy he seems really sad like why am I spending two hours at the movie theater with this guy so like I think Wilder knows you're like okay I gotta I gotta distract you a little bit here um here's something I didn't realize about this movie it is one of only three movies to win the highest award for the Academies and for the the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the very first film that won Best Picture at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. So, so it's this, Marty in 1955, and Parasite in 2019 are the only three movies to win both those major prizes. So that's pretty impressive stuff. It is very impressive. And it's impressive that, you know, this this feels like a Cannes film. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does. does. It, yeah. it feels like the kind of film that you would expect. Yeah. Well, while we're surprised that it won the Academy Award, like, oh, this one, of course it won the Academy yeah. Award. <laughs> oh, God, a movie about alcoholism is so yeah. sad. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, talking of the script again, like, I think one of the things which I really like is that the fringe character, who's kind of a bit of a, a nothing character in a way, but she's so wonderfully presented by Doris Dowling as Gloria, this um, lady great- of the night. Just yeah. great performance. But the character yeah. is not really doesn't carry that much impact but i find it interesting their interactions glory and don's interactions with one another where he keeps on going you keep on saying things shorter and stuff it doesn't like this slang that you're creating and she's like i don't have time i don't have time to say word (laughs) it's ridiculous i was like man i did not i did not realize like some of those shortening because i've heard people use those shortenings i was like I did not know, and this was introduced in 1945. Like, who knew? Yeah, I love, I love her character. Like, I, I would watch a whole movie about her. Like, she's, you know, she's a really interesting character and someone you kind of, interestingly, despite the fact that she's also got her problems, it's someone you feel like you want to spend time with. And I think, I think so is he. And I think that's why this movie works. If he was just like a sad, angry alcoholic that like nobody liked and wasn't interesting then you'd be like, oh, who cares? Like It'd this be guy. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's like you said, and this, I mean, it's a very good performance for Ray Milland. Um, but this is, to me, if I got to determine like what percentage comes from what, I think it's like 30% his performance, 70% like Billy Wilder's writing. Like, it's just the, it's, it's a wonderful screenplay. I am weirdly still kind of mad that this won the Oscar for screenplay because again, Mildred Pierce, like I just... So, like, this year is a very strange year. So you have a little bit of everything. They give this movie, which we've talked about a fair amount. You have Anchors Away, which is, like, an old-school, like, Hollywood, like, uh, romantic musical. Um, You know, you got Frank Sinatra. I mean, it's very, like, it would not surprise me if this had won an Oscar, because it feels like a very old Hollywood thing. Uh, The Bells of St. Mary's, which is the sequel for the movie that we talked about in our, in the last year we talked about. What's it called? What's the movie called? Uh, going my way. <laughs> yes. I honestly is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the Bells of Saint Mary's is a sequel to Going My Way. Everyone knows that. Um, it's a little bit better than Going My Way, but still not something that like you really need to see. Um, Spellbound, which we're going to talk about in our next episode, and Mildred fucking Pierce. Like I just, I want everyone to walk watch Mildred Pierce. It is an incredible piece of cinema. It is a movie that I think actually you Andrew recommended to me years ago. I did. Uh, you, you blind did. bought it on Criterion, and my yeah, reasoning for blind buying it on Criterion was just, I oh, don't know, she's got the same name as me, so therefore. Exactly. 
Pierce, spelled differently, but yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I had, um, I was going through a Criterion phase, which has continued till now. Um, and I was like, "There's a sale! I got it. What should I buy?" And Andrew's like, "Mildred Pierce." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I've, I've learned with Criterion's, like, I don't question people as to why, because like most of my Criterion's I blind bought, and like I don't think I've had a bad experience yet. Like they're they're all like different levels of good. So I was like, "Okay." And then I watched Mildred Pierce, and it is not good. It is great. One of the best movies ever made. Um, so the fact that this did not win. I mean, it won Best Actress, which it should for Joan Crawford, but like not much else. In like, her only win, wasn't it as well? Yeah, uh-huh. what, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the only thing it won. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, which and is and, and Michael Curtiz, who we've obviously talked about multiple times before, didn't even get nominated for Best Director. Genre uh, genre got nominated crazy. for The Southerner. Uh, which is nice to see. But how does that happen? Like stylistically, what a gorgeous movie. And like, oh, that's so upsetting. So this is good. Mildred Pierce is great. Mildred Pierce, I'm just going to say, like even beyond Spellback, Mildred Pierce should have won. Like the fact that this this didn't win is like, how do you, this is one of the things that like you look back on the Academy and like, you dummies, you missed a big one here. I mean, this is, this would be like Lawrence of Arabia not winning Best Picture. Like it's that level of greatness. Um, so that's really upsetting. So it's one of those things, it's tough when you talk about a movie like this in comparison, because this is a very good movie. And yet... I walk away from it being like, man, fuck that movie. Fuck the last weekend. Mildred Pierce should have won. Even though it's good. It's not like, oh, it's, it's a terrible movie. Uh, it never should have been nominated. Like, no, no. It's very, very good. Mildred Pierce is just a lot better. Yeah, Mildred Pierce is a is a masterpiece. It's, it is a great, great film, for sure. I think this is a really brilliant film in a lot of ways. Um, because it's no of going the, my way, Andrew. It's, it's no, no going my way. This is true. Look, if they had just one singing priest, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, now it's five stars. Five stars. Drinking thick priest. That's what we need. Where's Mark Ruffalo when you got him? Um, uh, and we're I, back. I, yeah, I think I think the key thing is like Ray Milan's performance. I think is really like I haven't seen all of the the best actor winners for sure. Um, and I'm that's not a project yeah, I'm going to undertake. Yeah, you have seen Big Crosby in the Bells of St Mary's, Andrew. Yeah, getting nominated for the same performance. Um, but I. I think that there is something, there is a shorthand to the character that Milan creates here, which I think is so, something that I wish more actors would kind of look at this performance and go, oh, I should probably organically introduce these things into my character. In a way, like one of the things which he does is constantly puts a cigarette into his mouth the wrong way around. Yep. yep, And it's such a perfect thing and it doesn't feel like it's forced. It feels Mm -hmm. like it's actually meant to happen that way. And it, it adds for some touching moments, especially when Jane Wyman comes and takes that cigarette oh. and, and just casually corrects it and puts it in the right, right way. Such and a sweet like, moment. Yeah. And and it helps build up why they like each other and why they, oh. they care about each other. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, I think this is really brilliant. And I also want to add in, I'm looking at my notes here, um, but I'm, because it's, it, there is so much to talk about it in a, in a lot of ways, but one of the things which I noted as well was the manner that Wilder sucks the color out of the film, because this is presented in black and white and certainly it could have been filmed in color, but it needed to be in black and white for sure. And yes. I think yes. there is a most important moment where just in the background, you see, um, who's the artist who did that famous sunflowers painting? You're talking about Vincent Van Gogh. 
Yeah, that that dude. Yeah, yeah, that dude. <laughs> Him, uh, yeah. In in one moment, you see uh, a print of sunflowers in the background, and it is clearly like in black and white. It's jaundiced and pale and faded, and it feels like a sick version of something that is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And Which is a perfect is like, analogy for it is. And it's like, here, it's yeah. just there. It's not explicit. It's not like, it's there if you kind of look at it. And it's all, all of these little things in the film really elevate above being something really magical. Uh, like, well, not magical, but mundane, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, right. I, I want to find out for you, because, uh, you know, th- this year, obviously we had another round. And then oh, there's... Great movie, by the way. Oh great my movie. God. Wonderful. And that film really, really manages to balance the nature of alcoholism in a really fascinating way. Like it is mm-hmm. both celebrating drinking, but it also condemns it in a brutal manner. And then it leaves you in this moment where I'm like, I don't know what he's, you know, is Vinterberg with or against alcohol? That's a good question. It's a hard <laughs> line. But then you look at something like Barfly, or you look at a writer like Bukowski, and both of those entities, I guess in a way, kind of romanticize alcoholism. Barfly, I think, is a great film, and Mickey Rourke has a fantastic performance in there. It is bleak and dark for sure, but there is this very, there is this sheen, this allure to it. There's like, oh, his life is not so bad. Like, he's Mm -hmm. sitting at a bar, and he's drinking, and he's chatting, and he's having not a bad time. As opposed to mm-hmm. something like Leaving Las Vegas, where it's clearly dark. Oh, that you know? wasn't fun for you? You didn't have a grand <laughs> old time with Dick Cage in that movie? No? Uh, unfortunately not, no. But I wonder for you, how is that line of romanticizing alcohol uh, versus condemning it? Um, you know, obviously you're talking about this film kind of going a little bit too far. Where's the balance? Is it something like yeah. another round? The balance is another round. Um, and it's, I think... The the very fact that you walked away from that movie not knowing whether Vinterberg is for drinking or against drinking is proof that, like, he hit the line perfectly. Uh, because, like, and, you know, back to my profession, one of the first things I ask all my clients when, you know, my drug-addicted or alcohol-addicted clients um, is I the first question I ask them is, like, what's good about it? What did you like about it? Because a lot of therapists don't ask that question because we're so stuck on, like, well, we need to change. And I'm like, yeah, but if I don't know... If I don't know why you do it, if I don't know what you get out of it, then what's the point of us having this conversation? Because, like, if there was nothing good from alcohol or drugs, I would be out of a job. Because you, if all the consequences were negative, nobody would do it. Nobody would just, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to punch myself in the eye nine times, like, just for fun, because I, I, like, I like to be sad. No, that's not you know, usually it's to negate something else that's going on. It's to hide something else that's going on. I've yet to meet a drug addicted person who is like, oh, I just started to use drugs just because, just because it was fun. Like usually it's to cover some sadness. Um, So you, but you need both. You need both pieces, right? Um, And I think another round, honestly, like one of my favorite movies of the last year, um, one of those I was hoping would be like, that was my actual hope for like what was going to win Best Picture um as, during the lead up i was like that would be so cool but of course you know that's not going to happen um i think especially if you're trying to do a little bit of a message film this is a lot bit of a message film the last weekend it is very clear and so is leaving las vegas and i think sometimes that's the error is that they go too far on the other side they're so scared to get called out for romanticizing alcohol or drug use that they're like oh we we can't show anything good about it 
Like, even the times he's having fun, it can only be with other degenerates. We can't possibly have him getting along with a normal person because, like, he's an alcoholic. We can't possibly look at that. So it's like you have to you have to show a little bit of both, right? But you can't just romanticize, right? You have to show the negative consequences as well. And, and I don't think there is a hard line. I think it's going to be dependent on the characters that you're traveling with, like what that's going to be. And it's like, this is why film and literature is, it's an art and it's not a science. So there's no like, well, add one part's alcoholism and two parts fun and three parts negative consequences. And there you have the line where you need to be like, no, it's just, it's gonna, and it's going to depend on the audience too. Like, like you probably have a different response to this than I do because of my my career right so it's like you're gonna have a different thing but it's it's tough it's a tough line to balance on for sure this is what i'd say billy wild sucks and vinterberg is good that's what i'm saying billy yeah. wild what a hack what a he's hack got. has no idea what he's doing if only it was iran for us to tell him that um that's right <laughs> but for you for you obviously you're coming from a a counselor's perspective from somebody who who knows how to untether these these kinds of connections that people have. Whereas for me, I come from a perspective where, you know, my mum is an alcoholic and Mm -hmm. the difficult aspect is like beginning of last year, um, you know, right as COVID was hitting, uh, she crashed her car and not just crashed her car. She totaled it. And I had to go and pick her up from the uh, police station. And that was one of the the grimmest, moments of my life it's a it was a really very sad low point and i think the hard thing is for people who have an addiction to alcohol is getting them to understand that they have an addiction to alcohol and Mm. understanding that they could have all the support in the world yep but if they don't have that desire to actually change themselves never gonna happen never gonna happen that's why the the ending of this film is so fucking depressing because yeah. you know, he's, there's no changing Don. Nope. There's none. Nope. He's going you know? right back. Yeah. And absolutely. and it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're talking about what he saw in drinking or what people see in drinking, What what why they do it. To me, I think, you know, he's doing it so he can get away from writing because the fear of, mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole sequence where he explains this, but the fear of being a writer. And it, it's, that again is an, an, a notion that's kind of romanticized the the alcoholic writer who can't put words mm-hmm. down on the page and all this kind of stuff. And granted, it's something that's been built up over the decades, but here it's done in a really powerful manner. Like you genuinely mm-hmm. believe that this guy has greatness within him, but it's mm-hmm. being smothered and, you know, consumed by alcohol and therefore he can't actually find the words to put on the page. And that sadness and depression leads you to more drinking. Mm-hmm. Is, do you think that that's a, the, his reason? Is that a solid enough reason? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's never just one reason, right? Of there's course, always, yeah. You know, a thousand He's things. got no money. He's got... Right, you know. and I'm sure if we could go back into Don's past, we would see some bad examples um, from adults and maybe some trauma and neglect. Um, but I think a lot of it is this, like, what if I'm, what if I'm worthless? Yeah. What if, what if I can't do anything and then, like, if I try, if I'm sober and I try to do this, I'm going to find out for sure whether or not I'm any good at this. And what if I find out that I'm not and I've got nothing to blame it on? What a terrifying life. 
to be like, this is what I, this is who I want to be. I know what my dream is. I know what I feel like I'm meant to do. But if I try this for real and I don't get it done, then I'm going to know for sure. There's like, there's like an old saying of like, you know, um, people may think you're stupid, but you can, you can, uh, you know, remove all, all unsurety by opening your mouth. Like this is the artistic version of that, right? It's like, yeah, some people may think I can't do it and some people may think I can, but if I do this, I'm going to remove all doubt. And what if it ends up that I can't? Then who am I? Who am I if I'm not the struggling artist? Then it's like, no, now I'm a failed artist. Past tense. Yeah. There's no coming back from that. And then I have to figure out who I really am. And Andrew, there is no more terrifying thing than knowing you have to find out who you really are. Like, instead of avoiding it. Because we all avoid, right? Oh, yeah. Every yeah. human being has avoidance techniques. What we do to keep people at a distance, to keep the world at a distance. Like, well, if I really tried, I could probably do that. But, you know, I've got work. I've got really – so I just I just can't. But in another world, in another existence, maybe I could have done that. We all do that, right? He just does it with a substance that is seriously harmful to him and everyone around him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite important, and it's. I think it's a yeah. I, I don't know. A I nice, is, a nice uplifting film you've given us, Andrew. Fucking hell, good. I don't. I don't decide these things. So I don't decide the, these things. Before before we close this up, I want to tell you my experience of watching this movie. I'm like, okay, I got a you know, I got an Oscar winning movie to watch. It's directed by Billy Wilder. I just come home from work, where I work with drug addicts and alcoholics. Let me just pop on this nice, light-hearted Billy Wilder movie about a lost weekend. And the first five minutes, oh, 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 it's about, oh, it's about an alcoholic. Uh, but they're going to go off to the, the country, and they're going to get there, they're going to pet some goats. It's going to be great. Uh, and then it's like, no, Dave, you were going to watch your clients, but on screen. And I was like, fucking Andrew, this, god damn it, why this? And I, I should say, not fucking Andrew, but fucking Academy, like, <laughs> I am the Academy Awards, Dave. I mean, (laughs) yes. I mean, Anchors Away is, like, not a great movie, but it's, you know, it's Gene Kelly, it's Frank Sinatra, you know, they're sailors, they're dancing, there's a cute kid, there's some beautiful women, this is a good time. But no, we're going to watch, we're going to do some serious homework watching, and we're going to watch The Lost Weekend. Still a very good movie, but definitely not what I was expecting after a day at work, working with heroin and alcohol addicts coming home to alcohol addicts on my screen at home. Yeah. God. There is, there is one moment that we, we do need to talk about before we wrap up. And I, I almost forgot about it. And I, I was questioning myself as to what this meant in my notes, but the last thing I've written is tiny turkeys in small hats. I'm like tiny turkeys in small hats. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? That sounds like a great movie. I mean, I, I, I would rather watch Tiny Turkeys in Small Hats than The Lost But I weekend. remember now. I remember okay. All right. the nightmare sequence, which is one of the darkest moments in Best Picture history and, in, in, you know, maybe in cinema. And, like, we're heading into October. This is, if you want a horror film, people watch this, especially this particular sequence where he is freaking out because he's run out of alcohol and he's got to... He's got to yeah. do something, and then he imagines this rat climbing out of the wall, and then he imagines oh, yeah. this bat yeah. coming, and this bat and this rat, and... I'll be a good boy and drink this. I don't want it. Better take it. Liable to be a little floor show later on around here. Might get on your nerves. Floor show? Ever have the DTs? No. 
You will, brother. Not me. Like to make a little bet? After all, you're just a freshman. Wait till you're a sophomore. That's when you start seeing the little animals. You know that stuff about pink elephants? That's the bunk. It's little animals. Little tiny turkeys and straw hats. Midget monkeys coming through the keyholes. See that guy over there? With him, it's beetles. Come the night, he sees beetles crawling all over him. Has to be dark, though. It's like the doctor was just telling me. Delirium is a disease of the night. <laughs> Good night. Then the bat eats the rat, and all this blood just drips out of the hole, and it's terrifying. It's genuinely yep. terrifying. This film yep. is apparently rated PG. Where is it? Yeah, PG. I'm like, I don't want kids watching that. Like, yeah. well, I mean, this is of course. Remember, this is of course before PG-13 existed. This I think true. this would definitely be at least a PG-13 movie now. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I. I love that sequence. Um, it's a I think powerful it's, sequence. It's, yeah. it's incredible. And also, like, you know, I like horror movies, so I'm not going to be, like, too too upset by something like that. Because, like, you know, in comparison to some of the most the awful things I've seen on screen, you know, bat and a rat attacking each other is not the end of the world. But I think it's necessary in a movie like this to have a nightmare sequence because so much of his drinking and his problematic stuff is on his own. Right. So you don't really get to see other people's reactions to him other than like, you know, being mildly annoyed because these aren't people that know him and love him. They're just mm-hmm. like other folks at the bar like, oh, God, here we go again. This this guy, you know, Don's acting up again. OK, that's fine. But when you get to see the inside of his psyche and everything that's going on there, and I think that's connected to the same sequence with like the alcohol bottle and the shadows. Yeah. It's like, God, it's so good. Like just even just in a vacuum, just watching that scene is really impressive work from Billy Wilder and and from um, Ray Milland as well. Like, he's very good in that sequence. Like, you do see the terror and the fear um, in his eyes, and it would be so easy. It is a big performance in that scene, but I don't think it ever tips over into being, like, ridiculous, and it would mm. be so easy to go there. Um, so it's a really good performance. I think he's, you know, just a little bit better than Bing Crosby. <laughs> High praise there from Dave. So I guess, you know, with that, with the bat out of the way and the rat out of the way and the tiny turkeys in small hats, um, which I think is, you know, I, I will put the clip in there, but it's, it is such a really profound moment because of how people actually, you know, imagine these dark things appearing. And really, when you think about it, there is nothing more terrifying than tiny turkeys and small hats. Like that is, that is like... I kept on thinking about it because my immediate reaction was to laugh. I'm like, that sounds stupid. It sounds yes, pathetic. Yes. But then I'm like, you, you imagine it, like these tiny turkeys and small hatches walking into a room. <laughs> I in wish darkness. this was a video podcast so people could see your little march. <laughs> this is the best. Yes. Tiny turkeys and small hats. Now we know what really scares Andrew Pierce of the curb is yeah, it's tiny, tiny turkeys. It's fucking small terrifying. Yeah. Marching through the room. Yes. Yeah, none of this like. <laughs> 10 duck-sized horses or, or one's horse-sized duck or something like that. You know, it's like tiny turkeys in small hats. It's fucking terrifying. Yes, for that absolutely. for that reason alone, I think this film matters. You know, I, I, does it matter to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. Um, I think it's a really good example of how to make a message picture work. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of message movies. Like Hollywood loves, yeah, loves like Ace in the Hole, for example. Yeah. Uh, yes, they love to breach. Uh, they do, and same thing with uh, Mrs. Miniver. That's mm-hmm. another 
especially the end, that stupid priest that I'll just never get over. Um, but this is a way to do it where you care. You care about him. You care especially about Jane Wyman, if you're Andrew. But like all the rest of us, too, we care about her, too. Um, so, like, does it go a little bit hard in some places? Like, would I make some change? Yeah, sure. But, like, I think overall it it achieves the goals it sets out to without being, like, so preachy that you tune out. Mm. I think specifically because of that nightmare sequence and him waking up in the alcoholics ward and all that business, um, it's affecting um, and it is one of the better movies about alcoholism I've ever seen. Um, I think Leaving Las Vegas is also very good. And yeah, we talked that about is a great film. Round. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about another round being, you know, better than this Billy Wilder nonsense, uh, for sure. Uh, but this is really, really good. And yeah, it matters. And this is, and it honestly, any movie that wins both of those awards should matter. Like, I would be very disappointed if I watched this and be like, oh, yeah, this one, both, this is terrible. I like, was as apprehensive like as you. Like, like, like Gone with the Wind winning all those awards. Like, <laughs> yeah, what a terrible movie to win all these awards. But it also only <laughs> makes, it makes sense that this film only won the four awards that it did. Like, it, it, it you know, maybe probably should have won cinematography or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's these wins, you know, and Spotlight, for example, as well, where it's like, okay, I can understand why you only got a couple of awards because you excelled at these ones and it's fine that the other ones didn't, you know. I would argue that this should only, I'm going to be a jerk, but that this no, should, really. only, <laughs> should only have won cinematography and best actor. Those are the only two awards it should have won. Okay. Because Mildred Pierce exists, Andrew. Yeah, like, yeah. Doesn't make it bad. Like, nominated, fine. But like, best director, best picture, best actress, Best Supporting Actress all should have gone to Mildred Pierce. Yeah. And Best Adapted Screenplay also should have gone to Mildred Pierce. So there you go. Just saying, you know, you're okay the last weekend, but you're no Joan Crawford. Is anybody Joan Crawford? No, this is true. Only Joan Crawford is Joan Crawford. God knows. (laughs) But Joan Crawford's not Jane Wyman, and that's a big difference there, you know. So I wouldn't want to sit on the couch with Joan Crawford and drink tea. Like, mm. yeah, I would, uh, but I, I have, you know, it's spiked different expectations. Yeah. She might hit me with the tea. I'm okay with that. <laughs> How many people can say, I mean, a lot probably back then, but not that many people alive now can say I got cracked in the head by a teacup from Joan Crawford. That is a story you can tell my friend. It's true. That's a story. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just have different goals on the couch with tea. I mean, that's, that's all it is. You want to have a nice, quiet conversation and someone gentle. And I want to, I want a moment. I want I want something that I can write about and that I can tell people about. I just Not want like, to be oh, Rock Hudson. Nice. That's it. Like you're like Jake Wyman was nice. Yeah, that's that's what you want to be. You want to be Rock Hudson. Yeah. Interesting. From mm. all that heaven allows, you know, those two just sitting in front oh, of the. You fire. want to be that character, so that's different <laughs> than being Rock Hudson. Yeah. Just gonna put that out there. I I mean, either way, either way is fine. <laughs> Right. Good point. So last weekend, you should watch it. Mildred Pierce, you should watch it. You should also follow us on social media. Where where can people find you, Dave? Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Darn That Day, but also you should find a way to watch Spellbound, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Which I think is available on YouTube for free currently because it's not anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I happen to have a hard copy of it because a friend of mine gave me like a little Hitchcock collection. Um, but I was like, oh, look, I actually own this. How about that? <laughs> had no idea. Uh, but you should watch Bella. But you can find me at Darn That Dave on Twitter. Um, you can tell me how wrong I am about 
Joan Crawford, if you like. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. Yeah, because you'd uh, be yeah, wrong. Yeah. You would be wrong, yes, as usual, because you're saying something different from me. So clearly <laughs> you are wrong, Andrew. Uh, yes, but find me at Darn That Dave on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you, Andrew? The Kobe U uh, is where you can find me. Um, that's very exciting on there. Uh, Australian films and stuff. And then Awards Don't Pod, Awards Don't Matter Pod, something like that. Uh, Awards Don't Pod. It's in the Awards Don't Pod. There we go. Great. Bingo. (laughs) Well, I have notes for these things. I don't read them. Uh, Yeah, fantastic. It's uh, great for listening. Thank you, everybody. Um, Be kind to one another, and we'll see you on the next episode where we're going to be watching Spellbound. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes of that YouTube video as well. Yeah, good man. Weave me another. Better take it easy. Oh, don't worry about me. Just let me know when it's a quarter of six. Okay. Come on, Matt. Join me. One little jigger of dreams, huh? No, thanks. You don't approve of drinking? Not the way you drink. It shrinks my liver, doesn't it, Matt? It pickles my kidneys, yes. But what does it do to my mind? It tosses the sandbags overboard so the balloon can soar. Suddenly I'm above the ordinary. I'm competent, supremely competent. I'm walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I'm one of the great ones. I'm Michelangelo molding the beard of Moses. I'm Van Gogh painting pure sunlight. I'm Horowitz playing the Emperor Concerto. I'm John Barrymore before the movies got him by the throat. I'm Jesse James and his two brothers, all three of them. I'm W. Shakespeare. And out there, it's not Third Avenue any longer. It's the Nile, man. The Nile, and down it comes the barge of Cleopatra. Kimmy. Purple the sails, and so perfumed that the winds were lipsick with them. The oars were silver, which to the tune of flutes kept stroke. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.